It's been quite a week, hasn't it? Anybody been cold this week? I'm a Canadian, but I was cold. I'm going to just go on record. So, as a result of the cold, we weren't able to have our Wednesday night prayer gathering. And we've been looking forward to having a time just dedicated to prayer so that we could pray together as a congregation. So when we had to kind of postpone it, go to plan B, we were like, what should we do? And it seemed that the Lord, I don't know, I just sensed his direction that we should do it now. Is that okay? Good, because we're going to do it anyway. But, you know, I'm glad you're in, okay? So what we're going to do is have a guided experience of prayer for about the next half hour. And we're going to learn to pray during that because remember last week, if you were here, Pastor Gary gave a great message about prayer. And one of the things he asked that I've seen repeated on Facebook and repeated in conversations all week long was, who taught you to pray? Um, My parents taught me the basics of prayer. The church where I grew up, I went to prayer meeting as a child. In fact, we had you know, old wooden pews and in our pew. Anybody sit in the same place most every week? You know, we had our pew and um, there were on the front edge, there were two tiny little marks in the stain and they were where I cut my teeth during prayer meeting. And uh, so, hey, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, the whole thing. But uh, that formed my life of prayer. I was thinking about praying intimately and transparently to the Lord. And my wife, Nancy, has been a great teacher in that in my life. I thought about conversational prayer. A woman named Rosalind Rinker wrote a book uh, a number of years ago now in which she sort of coached small groups on how to pray as a group where instead of each person praying separately, sort of changing the subject every time a different person prays, you kind of try to keep on the same subject so that when one person's done praying, the next person picks it up where they left off and maybe takes a different dimension of that same subject so you're not changing the subject. That has been a wonderful blessing in my life. Roz Rinker taught me to pray. Um, Ray Ortland, Pastor Ray, he's now passed away in the last year or two, uh, an author, speaker, he talked about... um, Structured prayer, a pattern of prayer. He was the first I knew that used ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Bill Hybels in his great book, Too Busy Not to Pray, re-emphasized that pattern. And that's the one I use most often in my personal quiet time with God. Um, The Celtic Christians, I've loved learning about them. Uh, In... About a month and a half, we're coming up on St. Patrick's Day, and we are going to talk about the Celtic way and all that they can teach us today as followers of Christ. I love the way they prayed and the lessons that I've learned from that. Um, Clark DeMille, his parents were missionaries to Africa, and they were in our church, the, uh, my second congregation in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. That is English, by the way. It's not a native language. It's real. It's a Saskatoon. And in the Saskatoon church, Wes and Leela DeMille were part of our church. And, and Mr. DeMille, Wesley, passed away. And at, during the funeral service, his son, Clark, prayed. 
I'd never heard a prayer like that in my life. I was, I don't know, 35 years old. He prayed almost 10 minutes and he never asked for anything. And I went, where have I been all my life? You know, could I pray for five minutes and not ask for anything? Could I exalt the Lord? Could I thank Him? Could I praise Him? Could I worship Him and not ask for anything? He taught me how to pray. So it is my hope that the Lord will teach us all some aspect of prayer. Not that we don't know how to pray, but that we could grow in our prayers. There's a group of us who pray uh, most Sunday mornings before the first service in the prayer room back here, the family room, and we use it as a prayer room. Today when we were praying, it was like the Lord whispered direction, which was for those who don't pray or haven't prayed much, let's pray that we will learn something to get us started. Something that would encourage us to give it a try. And for those of us who have been praying many, many years and have felt God's help in our prayers, would the Lord teach us one new thing, take us to one new place, and all of us in the middle, somewhere in between there, could, could you teach us, Lord, teach us to pray? In the program, on the back of today's worship folder, there's a diagram. It's the diagram of the Old Testament tabernacle or temple. And in Hebrews chapters 9, 10, and 11, we are told that Jesus Christ has preceded us into the most holy place and opened up for us a way to pray. And we're also told in chapter 9 that each piece of furnishing or furniture in the, in the Old Testament tabernacle is a reflection of a spiritual place of worship in the, in the heavenlies where God is and that Jesus reveals those to us and completes them. So probably 20 years ago, I was um, in Toledo meeting with a pastor friend and he had just come from some, uh, some training and learning as a pastor. And he said, have you ever prayed the tabernacle prayer, Glenn? I'm like, I don't even, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, well, Uh, this could help you, this could teach you something where each piece of furnishing in the Old Testament tabernacle is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And sometimes when your mind is kind of wandering and you're wanting to pray in a little different way, you could use this pattern to pray. Now, I'm not here today to teach you that prayer as a set pattern. I am here today to ask the Holy Spirit to take these six elements of prayer and apply at least one of them to you. So don't worry about getting, you know, the pattern just right and all the details just right. If that's of interest to you, I can turn you on to some good books and websites and all the rest of that. We're not doing that. We're just learning basic principles from this pattern. And you'll notice on the diagram, if you look closely, that uh, I think we have a, a sample up here. At the extreme right, where the entrance is, uh, the east entrance, the first thing that you experience when you come into the courtyard is the altar of burnt offerings, which is fulfilled in Jesus Christ through the cross. Jesus Christ is the one perfect payment for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you glad? We don't have to make up for our sins. We don't have to earn His forgiveness. We receive it by faith in what Christ has done. And so, as the Old Testament people of God came and made an offering on the altar, 
They, they believed that God received their offering and forgave their sins. We know that that was a foreshadowing of Jesus and it was looking forward to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so there's some numbers you can fill in on the back there. The first num- number one is the cross. When we come to God in prayer, we come thanking him for the cross. And so the, the worship team has a song that's going to take us there. But I'd like to just sort of introduce that by leading us in prayer together. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the cross and for the price that was paid there for the sins of the whole world, including mine. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I receive today from you fresh grace, a sense of my forgiveness that I have passed from death to life, that I'm no longer living in the kingdom of darkness, but now I'm living in the kingdom of light. And it's all because of you. It's all because of what you've already done for me. And so as I enter into prayer, may I enter through the atoning sacrifice, the price paid in full by Jesus. Would you stand and let's sing. The next piece of furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle, after you pass the altar of uh, burnt offerings, was the laver. Uh, this is our example today. And it was filled with clean water each day. And as the people came to worship, they would wash their hands as a symbol of having a cleansed heart and life. And uh, so the second number on your outline there, I'd put cleansing. Cleansing, washing. As we come into the presence of the Lord, we don't want to come, uh, or we do want to come with clean hands and a pure heart, right? We want God to search us and know us. We don't want just to sort of rush past the state of our heart. We need to humble ourselves before him and let him search us and try us and know us and cleanse us. This is uh, the week of prayer. This is the beginning of a new year. And I think it's a powerful thing to humble ourselves before the Lord. And I'm going to ask something I may not do again or not for a very long time, but I'd like us to kneel if we can. So if you're able to kneel, you can kneel forward, just slip off the pew and kneel or turn and kneel, however it's comfortable or best for you. And I'm going to ask Ken Lawrence, who's a man of prayer, to come and lead us in prayer as we uh, ask God to cleanse us and purify us and wash us. Let us pray. Father, we, we come to you humbly in ourself in your presence. We lift our hearts to you knowing, Lord, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You have given us the greatest gift that anyone should ever ask for, and we have received it in our hearts. We bow before you this morning. Mm asking you to cleanse us, cleanse us of our sins, Lord. Open our minds and our hearts to the things that we have done wrong, said wrong, experienced in the wrong way, 
Just guide our hearts and direct us in a special way, we pray. We know, Lord, that we are sinners saved by your grace. We're thankful that Jesus opened the door to heaven for us. And we give you the glory for that. We love you, Lord. We want to serve you. We know in our own hearts there's been many times that we have failed and we've sought forgiveness. Help us to continue to do that, to look to you and ask for forgiveness. Help us to forgive others as well. We give you the glory for that. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ken. Well, once you have um, passed the altar of burnt offerings and the laver, you enter into the holy place. If you look on the diagram, there's kind of a room within a room. And in it, there are three uh, pieces of furniture that represent spiritual truth. And the first one, the one at the top there on the north side, is the table of showbread. I don't know if anybody can smell this, but I have fresh bread here, like baked bread, home baked bread. Nita uh, baked this for us. And uh, every day they put fresh bread in the holy place. So when the priest entered, what do you think that smelled like? And uh, now in the New Testament, in its fulfilling we think of the bread of life. And the bread of life is the Word of God, the the Scripture. And one of the things that I've been learning is that I can pray Scripture. It can help me. Someone taught me a long time ago that when I memorize Scripture, especially, I increase the vocabulary available to the Holy Spirit in my heart. I increase the vocabulary available to the Holy Spirit in my heart. He brings back to my mind, a verse, or two, or three, or maybe sometimes when I'm praying, I'll take a short break and read a passage and then pray out of that passage, Lord, what do you have for me today? Fresh bread. Um, something for me and something to share. I love that. I often pray that prayer. Lord, when I read the scriptures today, give me, something, give me a verse or a passage for me and something to share with someone else. And a person that I know is a person of prayer and scripture is my wife, Nancy. And I've asked Nancy to come and guide us in praying the scriptures. As the deer pants for water, so I long for you, O Lord. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I find him and come and stand before him? Day and night I weep for his help, and all the while my enemies taunt me. Where is this God of yours, they scoff. But take courage, my soul. Do you remember those times? But how could you forget them? When you led a great procession in the temple on festival days, singing with joy, praising the Lord. Why then be downcast? Why be discouraged and sad? Don't be upset. Expect God to act. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Yes, I shall praise him again, for he is my help, for he is my God. 
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so glad that you are our God. And we pant for you. We long for you because we know the only way to true satisfaction in life is through you. You are with us all the time. You're with us on the ordinary days, most days, and we just put one foot in front of the other and we do what we're, we think we're supposed to do, what you call us to do. Then there's those hard days, God, when it is just discouraging and everywhere we look is bad news and we are down and we wonder how we will ever get back up again. But Lord, help us to remember even in those dark times, you have seen us through so much. You have seen us through so many things and you will not fail us. You will not fail us now. Be with us, Lord, in those high times. Thank you, Lord, you're always with us. But those times when we feel like tiptoeing, jumping up and down, excited about what you're doing in our lives, we love those times. And help us to remember those to carry us through the difficult times. For you are good and you are God, and we can rest on your promises. Everything else may fail, but Jesus, we found out one thing, that you never fail. So help us to keep our hope in you and expect you to act for us always. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, honey. Well, opposite the table of showbread is the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand in the Older Testament was, had these seven uh, branches, right? A menorah, we call it. And near the top was a little oil reservoir, and those lamps were lit and kept lit. And that was the source of light inside the holy place. Now, we think about the New Testament, how Jesus fulfills that. Jesus is the light of the world, right? This means yes, okay? He is, he is the wisdom of God, the Bible says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but we, we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so the Scriptures teach us that we can ask God for wisdom about anything, and He won't scold us for asking, but instead He will give us His light, His Wisdom. So if you're writing on the outline, the next one after the bread, and which is the word, is light, which is wisdom from the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need wisdom from above. I have kids. Anybody here have kids? You need wisdom? Anybody here have parents? I'm looking over here. Anybody here have parents? You need wisdom from above. Anybody here have grandchildren? Exceptional grandchildren, okay? A husband or a wife or others. Anybody, um, anybody go to work? Maybe for somebody or with somebody? Anybody need wisdom from above? So there comes a time in our prayer time when we settle ourselves and ask for the light of God's Holy Spirit to guide us so that we make right choices. So we know how to parent our children. So we find that balance between, you know, having boundaries and 
and being firm and, and also at the same time being loving and, and gracious. How do we get through the tough stuff, the difficult decisions? How do we know the next move at, at work in our career? And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. And I was wondering if anybody would like me to pray for you. So if you would like wisdom regarding your family, as a, as a parent or as a child, as a student, as a grandparent, if you would like God's wisdom in that relationship, in your marriage, would you just stand? I'd like to pray for you. light of the world. We humble ourselves before you and recognize that you alone know everything. You are the first and the last. You understand us completely better than we understand ourselves. And your word says that if we lack wisdom, we should ask. And so as teens and children and parents and grandparents, we come right now asking for your wisdom in our family. Guide our thoughts, guide our words, guard our words. For those making important decisions right now about next steps, whether in school or, or as a family, we ask for direction from above. We need you and we rely on you and we open our hearts and minds to you and ask for the quiet whisper of your Holy Spirit. Guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I think some of us could use the wisdom of God at work. Um, <laughs> so, if you would like God's wisdom in your career, in your work life, would you stand? I'd like to pray for you. And I know some of you are standing right back up again. That's quite all right. All right? Lord, we humble ourselves before you. You know the business we're in, the work we do, better than we know it ourselves. And we ask for your direction for your clarity, for your wisdom on how to handle our employees or our employer or our fellow employees. Lord, give us grace and direction and guidance. Help us to know what to say and how to act and what to do next, how to respond wisely. Lord, if we own a business or are influential in the direction of a business, would you guide our next steps? We ask for your favor and blessing upon the work of our hands. We do it not just to be paid, but we do it to give you praise. Help us to do it with excellence. Help us in our everyday labor to remember it's about loving you back, bringing praise and honor to you. And may the people around us see that. Make us a light in the place that we work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Amen. You can be seated. Isn't it great to be able to ask and know that God hears and answers prayer? I love that. And so here we are. We're in the holy place. We've, we've uh, eaten the bread of God's word and been nourished by that. We've asked for the light of God's spirit. And the, the third piece of furnishing there is the altar of incense, which represents the praises of God's people. In Revelation chapter 5, it says, And when he had taken it, this is being the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and by your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Here's this picture of the throne room of God and the 24 elders, however they uh, represent the prayers of God's people. They have these bowls and in the bowls are incense and the incense is rising as a symbol of praise and prayer. Remember this, the story of Zechariah from the, from the Christmas uh, story. The, the father of John the Baptist, remember he was serving in the temple and he was about to light the incense offering. Uh, this was lit at a particular time of day, each day. All the people would gather outside the, uh, in the outer courtyard and watch the top of the holy place. Because as they watched it, they could see that when the appointed hour arrived and the priest offered the incense offering, it would billow up. It was like a visible uh, representation of an invisible reality, which are our prayers and our praises. It was a once-in-a-lifetime privilege. Zechariah could only do it once, and then he would be moved out of the rotation so that someone else could do it, because it was such a special, amazing privilege. And so we have the opportunity to worship God through our praise, to offer Him the praise He's due and worthy of. Um, has anybody ever been to like an awards banquet where somebody got a plaque or a trophy or a prize of some kind? Anybody? And when the, you know, when the moment comes, right, and they bring the person up and they hand them the trophy, what happens? Everybody applauds. They, they cheer. They, you know, they give it up, right? Now, is that a good thing or not? I mean, do you sit there and go, well, I don't know if he deserves all that. You know, like, why aren't they clapping for me? You know, and there's something, I think people often wonder, why, why does God want the worship of his people? What is it about the incense of our prayers that blesses the heart of God? It's the only thing God can't give himself. I mean, God is God, right? He can, he can do anything. He has all power. But the only thing God cannot give Himself is the praise of His people. Only we can do that. And so as we come to the... just Now we're almost to the Holy of Holies, right? We have, we have eaten the bread of the Word. We have 
ask for the light of the Spirit. And now, before we go into the Holy of Holies, we offer God our highest praise. So would you stand with me? And again, we're going to do something just a little bit different. But it's not too crazy, okay? Don't, don't, don't freak out on me, all right? Um, when I go to other countries of the world, they pray in other ways. And in Taiwan, which is one of my all-time favorite places to go, anybody want to go there with me? Okay, let's go, all right. <laughs> I'm going to take you up on that. Um, in Taiwan, when the people pray, Everyone prays just like in a normal conversational tone, but everyone prays out loud at once. Weird, right? Now, why is that important? Because even when we're praying silently, all of our prayers are going up to the Lord and He is hearing them all at once and He understands it all. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? I mean, that just like... Wow, that is so cool that my praise. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray like two sentences. Think about what you want to pray. You know, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I praise you. Just in your normal tone of voice, but we're all going to pray it at once. All right? Would you pray out loud right now? Lord, I love you and I worship you and I praise you. There is no God like you. Lord, Lord, this murmur of praise and worship is like the incense rising to your throne. And you understood every word from every person perfectly. And Lord, you alone are worthy of that kind of praise. There is no God like you. You are God the Father, the creator of everything, and we are in awe of the beauty and majesty around us. Is anyone in awe of that? Then say amen. Amen, Amen, Lord, you heard it. And Lord, we are in awe that you are God the Son, our Savior, that the price you paid covers our sins and gives us new life. Anybody want to praise the Lord for that? Say amen. Say it again. (laughs) say it like I mean it (laughs) Lord Lord you hear the praise not just our words but our hearts there is no God like you you are God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit God with us in us guiding us directing us your word says that you have sealed us by the Holy Spirit for the day of our Total salvation when we enter into heaven. Anyone thankful to praise the Lord for that? Amen. I want to thank the Lord for heaven, for the promise of heaven. Say amen. amen. Amen, Lord. There is no God like you. And though it may make us a little uncomfortable or be a little different, it isn't about us, it's about you. It isn't about what anyone else thinks or hears. We're not praying to each other, we are praying to you. Because you alone are God. You are our Father. You are our Savior. You are our Comforter and Friend. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. The last space in the diagram is what's known as the most holy place or the holy of holies. In it is the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant are the 
tablets with the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod, the one that was used for the miracles that Moses was able to perform by the power of God that had budded, the Bible tells us. So it's a symbol of the miraculous power of God. And when we come into the holy, the most holy place, the Older Testament, only the high priest could go and only once a year. But listen to this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I love that. Jesus now has torn the veil, you know, torn that curtain in two, and we can walk right in to the most holy place in the very intimate presence of God. This awesome and holy place, the place the Older Testament calls the mercy seat, where we can ask anything. We are now in the intimate embrace of our Father. It's like we climb up into Papa God's lap and we feel His loving embrace and we pour out our heart. And so as we close our prayer time, I want to invite you to enter into that most intimate place of prayer. Let's stand together and we're going to sing and I'm going to open the altars. That's a part of our culture here at Davison Free Methodist. If there's something on your heart you want to bring to God, this would be a great way and a great place. You can do it where you are. However God speaks to you and however you sense him drawing you, into the most holy place. Let's do it together through prayer.